Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, it's Angela Ardolino with Your Natural Dog, and my guest today is a guest that I've wanted to have on for a very long time, and what's fun is that I'm going to ask her all the questions that I want the answers to Um, Because now that all my dogs are old and seniors and geriatric, I've had to change all of their diets again. So, uh, and their needs have changed and feeding an old dog or feeding a therapeutic diet has become more difficult and something I can't find in a dog food. So I've really had to do even more learning. Her name is Ronnie Lejeune. She's from Perfectly Rossum, and she's certified in canine nutrition and a wealth of information and so helpful. You're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. And we're back with Ronnie Lejeune from Perfectly Rossum. So my question is, is like when I see all of these people who offer raw feeding advice or even have a raw food brand or just a food brand in general, I'm always asked, well, who's the brains behind that? You know, if I in the human world want to know that I'm eating right and what I need personally, I would go to a nutritionist. So I was like, well, then it must exist in the canine world. And look at that. It does. So could you tell me what is a certified canine nutritionist and where did you get certified and then how long have you been, you know, applying what you learn, which that was my favorite thing about learning all about cannabis was that I could turn around and apply what I learned and then get to see the results, which I know you have had incredible results with what you've learned. So how do you become a canine certified canine nutritionist and what is it? So to be clear, I am different than a board certified canine nutritionist, which is right. That is a veterinary nutritionist. And you have to go to your vet school to become that. Which not to interrupt you, I just learned that most veterinarians who get that certification are getting it to work for a pet food company. Correct. Normally. So they're literally paid. Right. They're literally paid by the pet food company to go get this designation so that you then can be say that you have a certified board certified. So I just wanted the audience to know what the difference is between that. Right. So I am not that I am a self-study canine nutritionist that has been certified through the Companion Animal Sciences Institute, which is a self-study online course. Um, It is pretty labor intensive. So it's not quite something that you could just go online and watch a few webinars and you you pass the test. It's actually, you have, we have uh, 40 short answer questions and we have to submit essays, peer reviewed research and things of that nature. So I went through their basic course and I'm actually enrolled at this time for their advanced course. So I am continuing my education in that in particular. I have been focused on home prepared diets since around 2015 is when Perfectly Rossum became a business. So I was 
dabbling in it, obviously at one to two years before I actually wanted to pursue it as a career and And flash forward to where we are now. um, I have perfectly awesome as a full fledged business and we help dogs all around the world and cats all around the world. And it's, it's a great passion of mine. And I'm, I, I love helping pet parents feed their companion animals what they're supposed to eat, fresh food. Exactly. And what were like when you were first going through the courses, what were some of the biggest eye openers or the biggest ahas where you learned something and you were like, that makes so much sense. So I do want to be clear that the course that I take was not specific on a specific style of diet. It was about canine nutrition as a whole. So what opened my eyes to that is actually being mindful of essential nutrients and where those nutrients come from and how we could actually apply that to making a balanced diet. That's something that I feel like often missed in many raw feeding circles or even cooked circles where they start talking about home prepared diets. And we get recommendations for adding in ingredients to the diet, but sometimes certain essential nutrients are really lacking because the thought of making sure that diet provides all those essential nutrients is kind of like a secondary thought. Um, So that was a big learning point for me is making sure that I know what those essential nutrients are and finding out how to make a diet with fresh food to supply that. Because I always find that interesting that, and this happened pretty recently, where you get a blood test and your animal is low in a certain nutrient and you're often given a um, synthetic, you know, pill or something instead of finding that source in food. Is that what you're basically saying is finding those nutrients that exist in real food, fresh foods. So give it to them that way to make sure they get the nutrients. Both. So ideally my bias is to food. I always want to make sure that the diet is focused on food for those nutrients. But there are some circumstances that would warrant supplementation. For example, what if that dog couldn't eat those foods for allergies or intolerance reasons? Or what if those foods couldn't be sourced for budgeting or just even simply locating that product? So in those circumstances, supplementation is warranted. However, in a situation where you do a blood test and you see extreme nutritional deficiencies, so a good example of that is um, B12 and folate deficiencies that come up in gastrointestinal blood panels. Those dogs are on lifetime support, uh, supplemental support for those nutrients because they're so deficient and it's also linked to a medical disease. So supplement is warranted not only to help with the deficiency, but as well as the condition. So it kind of really depends on the circumstances. Very cool. I know one of the things that I want to bring up with you is kind of what's going on. I'm, I'm assuming you know a lot about what is in pet food recipes and you have some brands that I'm sure you, you like and you recommend, maybe you don't. I own a store. It's getting to the point where there's like two brands that I trust, maybe three. It's getting insane. I can't even keep up anymore. I also have a rescue farm where all my dogs are geriatric age now, and none of them can tolerate the raw food diets. So now I'm, you know, getting into gently cooked diets, which gets me even more paranoid. So now I'm looking at actually cooking them you know, cooking their own food, which gets me even more paranoid. So now I really <laughs> am at the point where I'm looking at, you know, what you offer so that I can learn and feed my super old dogs the right thing because I literally do have to change. 
But the biggest thing that confuses me being an owner of a store that carries only raw and freeze-dried food and an advocate is 2019, it was all about HPP, high pressure processing. And now no one talks about it. Now I hear all kinds of other terms being used and I can't tell who isn't and who is. I see when I compare multiple raw or even freeze-dried products, they all look completely different. And, you know, I still carry the brands that say that they're not HPP, but is that important? Is that something that you look for in a raw food brand? And why was it such a big deal in 2019 and now it's literally not talked about anymore? So HPP is actually on the rise due to FDA's witch hunt on certain companies. So I feel like that's going to probably going to be a more thing again because of the popularity of raw feeding. So that might come back. I would predict that. Now, the HPP is high-pressure pasteurization. So what it does is it gets rid of all the good and bad bacteria in the food. It basically turns it sterile. And while that has good benefits, especially if your dog has gone through gastrointestinal surgery, so when the stomach and the intestines have have to be opened up, I would want to feed my dog an HPP food if they have previously eaten home cooked or raw previously, because that way we could make sure that they could stay on that still that fresh food diet. But we make sure that the pathogens are pretty much eliminated to make sure that we could get through that healing process. But that's a very circumstantial situation. So it literally has a place in the marketplace, but it should be for dogs that are maybe suffering from something special like that. That's my personal preference because I do feel like we should be eating live food with live enzymes, live bacteria. And that even, so bacteria is often seen as a big boogeyman, but there's good bacteria. We need bacteria. A life wouldn't exist without bacteria. So that's why I like feeding live food. So HPP, I would use it if my dog was incredibly ill and we had to work through some gastrointestinal issues or if there was some type of surgery that warranted that. That makes incredible sense to use it in that situation. But for a long-term healthy dog or puppy, I am much on the, on the scale of let's feed some live food, live good food. So when you're teaching someone, they can hire you as their nutritionist and, and I'm assuming we, they get on a consult and you go through everything with them. How do they source, you know, what you're recommending? How do they find that place to get these non, you know, treated proteins? So that depends if, you, if you're going to want to home prepare or if you're going to want a commercial food. So, so you help on both. So you're, right. you're going to say, I recommend this brand or this combination or whatever and add this to it kind of thing? Right. It really depends on the lifestyle. I'm really going to pivot towards what will work best for the pet parent, because at the end of the day, I want the dog on fresh food. Right. How you go about doing that, that's your choice. So you have different choices. What are the choices? Really, my, it's just big umbrella. Do you want to do raw or home cooked? And then once we make that choice, do you want to do home prepared in the kitchen yourself where you're having to do all the ingredients and assemble it? Or do you want something that's the convenience option that you just scoop and feed essentially? And each of them have their pros and cons. So we have to weigh out those options because while the convenience of the commercial products are excellent because it's you literally do not have to think about it. It's a good balanced food. You weigh out what your dog needs. You put it in the bowl. You feed them. 
Right. But that comes with a price tag. And if you have big dogs and multiple large dogs, that gets expensive rather quickly. So if budget is of a concern, that's when I really want to push towards home prepared because you could still provide those fresh food, but the cost that you're having to spend is time versus the money because you could buy those individual ingredients at a much much cost effective rate. But the problem is, is you have to spend your time. So something's being spent. Right. I love it because you pay for convenience in so many bad ways. And it's usually your health that is, you know, what gets hit hardest is health. Because everything is, everything preservatives and all of the things and killing the food and that it's literally a non-food is incredible. And it happens to us. There's all kinds of things in our grocery stores that are non-food that will harm us instead of help us and feed our bodies. And it's even worse in the pet food industry. So if they do decide, like me, to um, (laughs) attempt cooking, because I have lots of dogs, which kind of makes it worth it. Is it something that you like you plan one day and you cook for the week and keep prepare everything type of thing? I would recommend batch prepping, especially if you're cooking, because cooked diets are going to be more labor intensive than raw diets. It's just the simple fact of what happens with raw diets. We could just weigh out the ingredients, put it in the bowl, feed. With cooked, you have to weigh everything, then cook it, then put it in the bowl and feed. And then you have to wash everything that you just use to cook everything. Now, of course, there's a sanitary process with the raw feeding stuff, but you could imagine that the amount of things that you're going to need to wash and sanitize is going to be significantly different between the two diets. Awesome. So because of that amount of labor, I do recommend dedicating time to batch prep. Now, how often you want to batch prep really will depend on storage space and the amount of food you need to feed. Because I'm going to say prep as much food as you can and store it in the freezer. But that depends on how much freezer size you have. So I have clients that some people live in apartments and they really just have their regular refrigerator and freezer. So they are prepping on a weekly basis. Where I have other clients that have the access to be able to get a whole dedicated freezer for their dogs. Or they, they are able to prep for 30, sometimes 60 days at a time. Uh, We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about taking on feeding and cooking for your dogs. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, Research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health. Healing naturally. And we're back with Ronnie Lejeune from Perfectly Rawsome. I'm so excited to have you on because I know a lot about raw feeding, but these like little details that I still is like a mystery. And what I love is that I'm getting to ask someone who is a canine nutritionist instead of someone who has a brand, you know, and is going to tell me how they do it and why they believe their way is the best. So, so I know a lot about plants and um, what they can provide both as functional foods, plants and mushrooms, both as functional foods and as medicines. But omegas 
of course, are so important, omega-3s and 6s. And I want to know what the difference is because human, some human nutritionists, I can't say all of them because I've only listened to certain few of them, say that instead of eating the animal to get the omegas, eat what the animal eats to get the omegas. So if it's a fish, eat what the fish is eating to get those. What do you have to say about that? I think we cannot apply that concept to dogs because of the type of species we're dealing with. We're omnivores, so we are incredibly effective of transferring nutrients from plant nutrients to bioavailable forms that our body could absorb and utilize. Whereas dogs, because they are carnivores, and you will get varying opinions on that, but I am of the camp they are a carnivore, they need nutrients that come from animal sources to have the most bioavailability and to be able to use it effectively. However, there is one exception to the omega-3 rule for dogs with studied benefits that we can use as a non-animal source. So for dogs and cats in particular, if you want omega-3s, the general rule of concept is to feed fatty fish or fish oils, krill oil, shellfish, things, those marine-based foods However, there's some new studies that show that algae oil is the option outside of animal-based foods that has actual efficacy and bioavailability for dogs. Awesome. So that, so that it can be used in place of the animal-based sources if, let's say, you have a dog that cannot have anything from the sea, which is not uncommon. There are some animal-based foods that are more uh, concentrated in those fatty acids outside of grass-fed meats. So like if you get grass-fed beef, the fatty acids are going to be really balanced. You wouldn't really need to worry about adding an additional uh, omega-3s. But that concept is different when we feed commercially farmed meats because the meats are higher in omega-6 versus the omega-3. So we need to add it back in some way. And that's when we do things like the fish, the fish oil, or the algae oil, which is a new thing that is really effective for dogs too. But there are some dogs and cats that can't have the marine sources. And if you want to do animal sources outside of the algae oil, and if you can get resources to them, pasture eggs are always going to be an omega-3 source. So you have chicken, turkey, duck, goose, all of the birds that lay, if they're pasture raised and they have a good healthy life, they're going to be a great source of omega-3 fatty acids. I, I feed mine hemp seeds. And hemp. So I'll touch on that one after this. So the second one is brains. So that one's a little tricky because there are some FDA laws in place that make it uh, illegal to sell like cow brains because of mad cow disease. So the types of brains, if on, on sale for human consumption, will be pork or lamb. And they are typically seasonal and within very niche markets. So that could be problematic if you're trying to source it. So if you can't get those options, algae oil is a great omega-3 source. Now, you mentioned hemp. So there is some misconception about the ALA that hemp provides for dogs. Well, it does provide ALA, which is an essential nutrient according to NRC and FEDAF. But the conversion rate from ALA to EPA and DHA in dogs is lower than 5%. So we can't really rely on it for EPA and DHA. Now you could give it and there's and probably... Are you, talking about, be- are you talking about hemp seeds or hemp in general? Just hemp in general. Okay. So it's, it goes the same for the hemp seed as it does for the hemp plant. 
Right. Okay. So it's just how the, the body takes that ALA and converts it to that EPA and DHA. That conversion is pretty ineffective. Um, so you can provide it. I do feed him for the ALA benefits. It helps bad, balance other fatty acids for that reason. And if you feed hemp seeds, there's other nutrients in there, like magnesium right. is another one that that's included in hemp seeds. So it provides nutrients, but I wouldn't want to rely on it for EPA and DHA, especially when we know that the conversion is very poor. So algae oil would be my option if we have to do a, an alternative source outside of animal-based sources. And if someone is choosing or starts to look for an algae oil like I will be doing, how what do you look for to know that you're getting, you know, a pure product? How do you get a non-contaminated product? And I guess we want a product that's grown somewhere and not taking from the fish in the ocean. Right. So that's the benefit about the algae product. It is 100% sustainable because they can grow it in labs in very controlled awesome. environments. So it's not like farm fish that we have to be big, scary lab grown algae oil. Oh, <laughs> um, it is one of those things that is going to be, it's a very sustainable option because of the conditions that it can be controlled and grown in. So when you're looking for a product, my always my recommendation is can they purity test their product and pr- provide that analysis? Do they provide the guaranteed analysis of the nutrients within that product? So can they tell me how much EPA, how much DHA, and how much ALA, because it does provide ALA too, within that product? Because then I could use it to appropriately dose it for my dog. And then the last thing I would want to know is, is it from a good sustainability or GMP certified facility? And one good brand that I do like is the Grizzly Pet Products. They just, Mm -hmm. they came out with an algae oil. I just learned of it two weeks ago. Awesome. Um, I, cause I was looking at Nordic naturals cause I'm a big fan of their fish oil because mm-hmm. they have an algae oil, but apparently they have alcohol sugars in their algal- algae oil for humans. So that is one thing I do want to mention when looking for algae oil, read the labels. Cause apparently these alcohol sugars are in those products, especially if it's human grade product. And that could be very detrimental, especially if it's something like xylitol. Got it. So how do you know if whether it's xylitol or not? It should be called xylitol? It, it would be listed as xylitol or birch sugar is another name for it that's right. recently been re- rebranded, but it would have to say xylitol on the label. They legally have to put that. Okay, got it. Thank you for that tip. Uh, all the tips, that's um, amazing. What do you find that pet parents are asking you the most in coming to you? I would assume... What happens to me at my pet shop is the dogs hit, they become senior citizens, and I can immediately tell that they need to switch their diet. And the first thing they always say to me is, but I've been feeding them this diet their whole life. Why all of a sudden? (laughs) Um, So is that the same thing you hear? I'm assuming they're coming to you because, well, probably like your story, you couldn't find anything that would help or heal your dog which is almost how I feel right now with my 16-year-old dog. Who's making a diet for a miniature little toy breed dog that is for geriatrics? You know what I'm saying? Nobody is, so I got to figure it out. Right. So I'm normally dealing with very sick dogs recently. Same. That's what happens to us. We're the last it's resort. It's incredibly upsetting. It um, is. So, and it's a range of things. Uh, the most common stuff I'm dealing with is gastrointestinal disease, liver f- disease, renal disease. Those are the, the, the top three 
And all three of those are caused probably by a kibble-fed diet, correct? I would say renal and gastro. Yes, but maybe no. Genetics is a big play, especially in the liver component. Like if your dog's going to have a liver shunt, it's genetic. So there's wow. there's things that are going to be genetically predisposed for some dogs. Like for example, I just recently got an eight-month-old dog with a liver shunt as a client. So that in itself, that's not diet. That dog was born a really right. terrible deck of hand of cards and here we are trying to help him live its best quality of life. So I'm dealing with a lot of sick dogs and that's upsetting because we get pet parents literally at the end of the road, not knowing what to do to help improve their dog's quality of life. And thankfully we can get to that if they want to put in the work. Because normally when we get dogs with compromised and very special needs, those dogs need the home prepared diets. Because like you said, there's really nothing on the market to find that ideal thing for that one dog and the specific issues that they have. So that's when that home prepared diet is the best option for those animals. And the downside is it is labor intensive, especially when you start talking about therapeutic diets that have, you know, very specific formulations that we need to adhere to. So that, that is one thing. And of course we deal with our regular adult dogs and puppies, sport dogs, the whole spectrum of dogs. But yeah, I'm dealing with a lot of medically unwell dogs and that's quite sad. I I agree. It's it is very sad and same. That's it's what keeps me going every day because we get calls every day and it's last their last ditch effort because they went the conventional route and it's not working and their dog's not getting better and they're feeding that stupid science diet shit that's non food and they're <laughs> using you know corn right prescription meds that are just making things worse and piling them on top of each other. So yeah. And it's amazing, though. I don't want people to get discouraged because we have had dogs at death door and changing diet and detoxing them. And you can bring them back. I've done it so many times. Um, it's one of the things I do on my rescue. I take the old sick dogs that nobody, the people have given up on and bring them back to life. And it can be done. So better late than never. And there's going to be, I think, an even bigger shift in movement in the next five to 10 years because we're going to lose our first dog doing the wrong thing, but we're not going to, it's not going to happen on the second dog. Ronnie, thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate you sharing your information. Please tell everybody how to find you because I know we're going to have a lot of pet parents who are interested in, in getting some nutrition coaching from you. So you could go to the website at perfectlyrawsome.com. There is over a hundred free nutrition articles that you could use to help do a home prepared diet for your dog yourself. We also have a Facebook group called the Raw Feeding University, and that is a complimentary free community that you could use to help build on your free resources. Outside of that, we're on social media like Instagram and Facebook. So you could look out for me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com.
Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi. 